National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio presents. I wish my head could forget what my eyes have seen. Ten years ago, the groundbreaking firefighting movie burned took audiences closer than they'd ever been. Into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them. Ten years in the making, the long-awaited follow-up is finally here. The workload has increased and manpower has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire class, 2019. Order your two-disc ultimate edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? into the daily episode real quick i want to talk about the tin of the month club from taylor's tins national fire radio is the tin of the month for december 2022 right now our tiller time logo is going out the door from taylor for the tin of the month club thirty dollars for the tin five dollars of every tin goes to an organization of our choice we chose the joey d foundation the lieutenant joseph p d bernardo memorial fund they are doing incredible things their mission is to give back to our own through firefighter escape systems firefighter safety and survival training and lectures it's an incredible organization so i need your help after the podcast go to taylorstins.com order the tin of the month thirty dollars you can put it in a stocking wrap it up as a gift or just put it up on your shelf knowing that you supported us in an incredible cause so i appreciate you I appreciate you for going after this podcast and ordering a 10 of the month. It means the world to me. Shoot me a DM or an email, nationalfireradio uh, at gmail.com, or send me a DM on social media. Let me know you ordered on. We'll get some swag out in the mail to you, a couple stickers, whatever. We'll get something out the door on top of the tin. So please, let me know you order one. Go to taylorstins.com. Order the 10 of the month club. It's tiller time, baby. It's a beautiful shield going to a good cause. Thank you. Without further ado... The Daily Episode. Hey, everybody. Jeremy National Fire Radio back on the podcast. Today is an extra special episode for me as well. This is a gentleman I've gotten to know over the last few years. I pop into his shops every so often, mostly unannounced, and he has to deal with me. I poke around. I take pictures. I ask him a thousand questions. He has an incredible wealth of knowledge, and he brings a lot to the table. Frank Dosimo, how are you, brother? We're doing excellent, Jeremy. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, Frank's one of those guys. So, Frank, let's talk about this. City of Stamford, Connecticut, 14 years uh, with the fire department. Uh, you hired and uh, was a fireman for many years. You ended up going down, and we'll get into the story, but I just want to give a little bit of background. You ended up uh, getting placed down to the shops for a little bit, and you did a stint down there, and next thing you know, you promoted into the shops, and You've been running the shops ever since, and you're now the mechanical supervisor for the city of Stamp, the city of Stamford, Connecticut. It's quite a it's quite a prestigious spot, and I want to get into that, and I want to get in about how important the position is that you're in, and in the the type of facility that you run and manage, along with the equipment storage and the equipment maintenance and apparatus maintenance and purchase. I mean, it's just a, it's an unbelievable process and what goes on in your daily activities there. So I wanted to have you on today, and I do want to say this too. Thank you. You, uh, you and I uh, connected pretty early when we started National Fire Radio. You recognized that uh, I'm an apparatus guy, and you always had given me an open invite to uh, 
stop in, and then, and frankly, you, you have not been able to get rid of me now. I just keep popping in. No, we love having you guys, uh, <laughs> having you guys buy, and you know it's it's a good platform to uh, kind of check out what other people are doing or get ideas or you know maybe somebody in in a department's you know trying to figure out how to how to accomplish something or mount something or put something into service on their apparatus and they're you know trying to figure out how to do that and you know I think a lot of stuff that uh, viewers view on your guys. Uh, platforms, you know, provide those, those answers. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, man. And, and that to me, and, and you're a guy that gets that and helps me because you're like, Hey, look at this, something we did. And, and I love when people send me in-house things. And I think that's a testament to who you guys are. And, and, um, and I say, you guys, you got a crew with you, uh, a couple guys in the shops with you that do an incredible job and support you. And you guys, I mean, this is a full-service mechanical shop for the apparatus fleet of Stanford, Connecticut, as well as – so give me the give me the rundown, Frank. You guys do not only, like, maintenance and repair of apparatus and loose equipment, but what else? I mean, what are you guys doing down there? We, we pretty much do everything. Um, <laughs> I, I, I try not to send a lot of stuff out, uh, and that's, that's partially because, you know, it's our trucks – we want to know what's going on and, and what's going into them and what was wrong with them. What was the root cause? So it, it's always better if you have the capability and ability to do stuff, you know, yourself, if you have the personnel and the, and the tools and the knowledge, um, you know, we're fortunate that the city is very supportive of our, of our program. Um, you know, we've got a lot of tools. We've got a lot of capability in house. We've got a lot of software and, stuff that uh dealership level type equipment um that allow us to be able to do that um and we we kind of try to bring everything back in house i mean we do everything from specifications of apparatus uh purchasing and acquisition of uh loose equipment uh large equipment uh ancillary vehicles any anything that really goes on that fire truck um usually comes across my desk and gets shipped to my facility for a, a city of our size you know we're we're pretty big we're we're one of the, the bigger cities in the state of connecticut you know close proximity to new york um you have to have a lot of stuff on hand you have to have a lot of resources you got to yeah. have a lot of phone numbers you know sure for a fleet of our size and different types of equipment you know we've got you know, construction type equipment. We've got fire boats. We've got dive gear. We've got you know, obviously air packs and Hamatro stuff, and a whole fleet of apparatus and fire marshal cars and ancillary vehicles. We've got you know, military six by sixes, uh, quads, <laughs> training you, center. You the it. list goes on and on and on. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, when you're when you're in a bigger city, you kind of got to have that that stuff you know on hand for the one off incidents. You know, and not only do you have to have it, but it's also got to be in reliable and working and safe operating condition, yeah. you know, which is a whole nother side of it. It's, it's a lot to balance. Um, we do it pretty well with the manpower, you know, that we have afforded to us. Um, but it also gives us the opportunity to, to work with every division of the department, which yeah. um, me and my guys kind of like, you know, we might be doing something with the fire marshals one day, you know, obviously we see the suppression guys every day, um, whether they're just picking up supplies or they have a little something that they need fixed. Um, you do all the air pack stuff as much as we can in house. You know, we keep spare regs, spare masks, straps, you know, all the little 
little things that go along with the Scott packs. Um, but you also got to have, you know, everything for the fire trucks too. And that's become a real challenge, uh, especially through COVID where, you know, we used to be able to call and get something as simple as a drum of, you know, 1540 motor oil, where now, you know, you call three or four different places yeah. and they tell you, oh, there's only eight drums and they're in, you know, they're nine states away, you know, yeah. so. Supply um, chain, baby. Supply chain. Supply it's, chain. Yeah. We, we definitely had to expand what we keep in stock um, more than ever. You know, yeah. I, I got to keep brakes for every truck, every size tire, you know. You'd hate to downline a $2 million tower ladder on a weekend for something like a, a tire, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's it's a big operation. It's it's pretty big, but it, it does work out uh, well with the with the format that we have. Um, you know, I know not every not every fire department is lucky to have a shop where That's right. you know we're open every day, you know, or you know, if it's if it's nighttime or on a weekend and something goes wrong or you need to pick something up or your saw breaks, you know, we're fortunate that you know somebody's always on call and we have a good a good stash of stuff in stock to keep the department running because yeah. you know an engine or a rescue or a truck running out with not their full complement of gear you know uh hampers their their operations as well yeah for so. sure i mean you guys are the backbone right and like so i've been there a ton of times now i've gotten to know a lot of you guys up there and it's funny too because it's funny how things come back around i mean my uncle was on the job in stanford many many years ago and there's a few guys left that remember him and worked with him and so on um, and so it's kind of like this full circle thing for me that, you know, growing up as a kid, watching my uncle be a fireman in Stanford, Connecticut, and now I'm there kind of regularly. I stop in to say hello to you and see you guys and see what's cooking. And you and I speak uh, or text regularly, which is a lot of fun. I will say this, and I have this written in my notes before the episode, is that the shop is the center of the department. Every time that I've been to the shops by you, your shop, which, mind you, we're going to get into that, too, the organizational structure, the technology, all of it. I mean, you guys run a, a tip-top place, right? And, and everything is really squared away, I think, much more than, than most shops. And it's a testament to the type of work you guys do. But what I'm getting at is the department, the, the shops itself is like the hub, right? Everybody funnels through the shops where they come down. It's almost they come down to get a small repair, but they end up staying for conversation and gossip, right? I mean, that's what the shops really is. It's the center of conversation within the department because it's the common ground, right? And you guys are entrenched in that, meaning you house all that. So the rescue company comes down, they leave, an engine comes in, they leave, the truck comes down, like... There's always new guys filtering in, a new company always looking for something small or big or whatever they need, but you guys seem to be that central hub, and every time I'm there, there's always companies coming through. Yeah, there's, I mean, even even just take, you know, today's a Monday, so we're coming off a busy weekend. Um, you know, I had uh, Engine 6 was in this morning for a quick repair. I had one of my mechanics running out to our one of our dealerships to pick up some parts to facilitate a repair on another engine. Um, we were trying to track down a turbo VGT for the spare rescue, <laughs> you know, we had all kinds of stuff going on and, it, and it's, it's, you know, like I said, it's only <laughs> at three o'clock on a Monday, you yeah. know, yeah, for and, sure. and your day could fall apart. You know, it, I, I had a bunch of stuff going on before we even got in the door today. And, you know, at any time something else might break or you might get a fire that pops up in the city where we got to run out and, and, uh, 
you know, give a little assistance on some stuff that we support the the suppression guys with uh, on that aspect. You know, there could be it really could be anything, and that that's what makes uh, that's what makes the day go by fast. It makes the week go by. You know, you kind of never know what what's coming up. You just got to kind of be prepared as much as you can for everything, and you know, you also have to realize that you can't be prepared for everything, and yeah. you know, that's where that's where you got to be like a quick thinker, you know, like um, I had a, an apparatus um, that got laid up last night and the part's going to take eight weeks to get. So for me, I'm thinking, you know, quickly, oh man, I really don't want to lay this apparatus up for, you know, into the new year, but I actually have another apparatus that had a matching part that we were able to obtain today and get that one back in service. So sometimes it's like a chess game, yeah, you know, for sure. And, you know, like I said, other stuff pops up. We also do the hydrants for the city. That's also a a huge part of our job. I order all the hydrants right from Kennedy. Um, That's that's unique. That's unique to me, right? The fire department manages the water, the hydrants. It is. Um, In the city of Stanford, just to brush on that topic, the city actually owns the fire hydrants from the valve uh, up. Okay. Um, so our water company owns the mains and the valve on the lateral that feeds our hydrant, but the hydrant is the city's. Um, to me, it, it is it is a lot of extra work. Um, yeah. Every time a hydrant is getting repaired or installed, you know, one of the guys, whether it be myself or one of the guys from the division, we're always out there. You know, during the excavation process, basically delivering whatever hydrants going in, um, picking up the one that came out, and then we, you know, we'll either strip that for parts or dispose of it. Um, you know, sometimes hydrant locations move, so we have to re GPS those coordinates to, you know, get that back into our MDT and our CAD. Um, that way, the guys have an accurate showing of, you know, where that hydrant is and sure. what its status is. We're really, really on top of that. Um, we've got over 2,000 hydrants in the city. We've probably put over 250 new ones in the ground within the last five years. Wow. Um, and that's that's a, you know, a, a combined effort between a couple captains that um, take care of the work order portion of it, and they keep, like, a running list of what needs to be done. Um, I order the hydrants. And then we facilitate the, you know, installations and hiring of a police officer if it's on a main road and we need a cop for traffic. Crazy. Um, We do plan reviews in conjunction with the fire marshal's office just to make sure that the hydrants are going in locations that are cohesive to our operations. Yeah. That it obviously meets, you know, whatever (laughs) code um, that the fire marshals are looking for it to meet. Um, But it is cool, you know, in that sense that, we know what's going in the ground. We know they're going in correctly. Um, yeah, it's nice to be able to control the process for sure. Yeah, it, it does get you know we we've got a really really good contractor now. They're actually uh, a couple brothers that are firemen. One's on an FDNY, uh, one's on in the town of Greenwich, which is right next to us. Yeah, and they kind of have this construction company on the side. So you know, at least we have firemen putting in our hydrants. It's not you know. Yeah. I've been, I've been on jobs that have been contracted through um, the water company where sometimes they'll install it and, you know, I'll get these odd phone Backwards. calls. Of, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, of course. How do you course. put this thing in? Or I go there and it's too low yeah, or it's right. too high. And, right. You know, 
Yeah. To some people, it's just a fire hydrant, but to us, that's that's where it all starts, you know. So. Frank, where is your downtime, man? Where 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 uh, is where do you regroup? I mean, I'm listening to you going on and on for the last thirteen. I'm looking at the board right now. Thirteen minutes and thirty eight seconds. You've been listing the jobs you guys are responsible for. And I know, I know that it's no exaggeration about how busy you guys are there. And I watch the productivity that comes out of this shop, whether it's a brake repair. I mean, God, the last time I was there, you had an engine, the you had an engine in bay, the the cab tilted, and you had the top of the motor off. I mean, you saw the rockers in it, right? I think they drove through a, a little bit deeper of a puddle than expected, right? And like you guys are doing large maintenance jobs on top of all this other tracking, planning, equipping. I mean, when do you, when do you when do you rest? When do you slow down? Uh, I, you know, we it, it, it does take a lot. I uh, I do work a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those jobs in the fire department that you know, um, especially as you go through your career and and you you know if you get promoted or you go into one of one of those spots where you know, uh, a lot of people rely on you, you know, yes. and it starts from, from, you know, the, the, the chief down, I'm sure the chief's phone rings, you know, a million times a day, the fire marshal's phones are ringing a million times a day, the dispatch supervisor, they're getting phone calls at all times of night. And there's, there's different people like that in, in, in every department. Um, but, sure. you know, when you step into one of those roles, you, you have to accept the reality that, you know, it's not one of those positions in the fire department where you can just turn your phone off and, right. you know, figure it out. You know, so they, they rely on you. And in my department, I've got, you know, 300 on the career side. You know, there's probably another 150 on the volunteer side, um, you know, that we have a lot of equipment and uh, stuff in, in those parts of the city as well. You know, and they all, you know have the same access that that the career side does um you know you, you have to just realize that the phone's gonna ring whether it's saturday whether it's sunday you know i was sitting home on the couch last night watching just a little tv with my wife and uh you know we had a little incident with engine eight that you know required us to do some some changeovers and some right. other work you know to get that facilitated but you know it, it is what it is you, you know, I, I think are- yeah i think you set the bar high though right I know, I know the type of guy. I know you. I've known you now. We've we've talked a lot. I've gotten to see you in action, and I watch how dialed in and dedicated you are to the position you're in. And I think that you have set that bar very high, not only for yourself but for that position in the department. Now, it is a promotable position. That is your house. You promoted into that spot, right? Early on in your career, you got hired as a firefighter, and you were on the line, right? And then you found your way to the shops, correct? Yes, yep. And then what did that, what did that, I mean, talk to me about being on the line. I mean, I don't think you and I have ever talked about you being a fireman before being put over to the mechanical supervisor spot. So, I mean, the city of Stanford, when you got hired, I mean, what, what, going to fire, I mean, June, going to fires? Like, I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. I don't think I know anything about you on that end. They used to call me the black cloud. I Uh, love that. When I first got on, we definitely uh, created a few parking lots in the city. Um, <laughs> I think it was. I don't. I don't even think I was on. I think it was like my second shift. I was at headquarters on engine one, and I was actually outside. We were doing the lawn. We were mowing the lawn, and you know we got a, a 
call came in and it was for a fire down the south end and we basically turned out headquarters and you could see the the nice. column of smoke yeah. like over over i-95 it wound up being like uh a few houses going <laughs> so that was like my second day on the job nice. and we had a couple other significant significant fires in the city um at that time my father was still on the job and oh, okay. i did a mutual i did a mutual for him one day and i walked in it was i think i did like maybe like a half a day or something like that so i came in at like one o'clock and i was on truck two and his captain's like don't come down here bringing all your fires and, and sure and enough i was there about 40 minutes and we wound up going over to dolphin cove for a house fire so it, it was just i just had this little bug that kept following me um yeah so we were on a pretty good streak there that's um, great but i've always been an apparatus guy yeah um you know my father was on the job and he did a lot of fire apparatus repairs throughout his career my okay. grandfather owned a gas station in town so that's oh, no kind of where i got that aspect of it got it um coming out of uh high school and into my uh college time i was pretty heavy into vehicle electronics i actually worked for um a company that used to do like uh vehicle upfitting kind of like what what ryan does yeah. over mm -hmm. in jersey yeah um so that's where i really got my background in in communication stuff radios mdts light sirens got it. um graphics a lot of that stuff is what i was doing so when i first got hired on the fire department um you know the chief at the time said hey you know we're having a bunch of radio problems and i got a whole bunch of stuff the garage is busy you know when you get off probation would you mind you know maybe on your off days going down and working a little bit on taking care of some of those you know items for us i was like yeah no problem because for the chief at the time who was chief of graph um you know if you have somebody in your department that's kind of got that specialty knowledge sure you know if if you're allowed to or capable of you know having that person do it you know you're not getting on somebody's schedule waiting for somebody to come down you know not having the right parts so we started doing a little bit of that stuff in-house um and it kind of just grew from there you know shortly after that they wound up buying a couple command cars that were pretty um for their time uh pretty ahead on some of the technology and some of the stuff that that um was coming to our streets so right. i wound up building the car right at the garage um mm. and that that car they were basically in that vehicle until a couple months ago so we just went to that new platform yeah um, right that ryan and the guys down at 1075 did for us yes um so i was you know i i kind of bounced all over i was a headquarters guy um i was i was the junior guy in the department for almost five years because there was a pretty big gap from my class and when they actually hired the next group of firefighters so i was like the junior guy in the department for for pretty much almost five years um and then they had a new class and usually some of the new guys go to the busier houses so i wound up going to engine four and i only did like two or three shifts there um before the chief at the time asked if i could go down to the garage um on a on a little special detail yeah while the mechanical supervisor was out uh me and you kind of spoke a little before yeah. uh about this you know we used to have a, a captain spot and a lieutenant spot in in the fire department garage um and at, at that time the mechanical supervisor wound up getting sick and he was kind of out long term so the lieutenant was the acting captain and i went in as the acting lieutenant and you know that that's 
really where I just kind of started to get my feet wet on, you know, just trying to keep things moving at that time. The, the department was at a different spot as far as apparatus had went. Um, we were pretty long overdue for some engine replacements. Right. We had a lot of stuff out of service. So, you know, my first couple of years down there was really just a big, you know, chess game of trying to keep things in service and move stuff around. I was relying heavily on, on some vendors, you know, to, to help us get through that time. And, um, you know, we kind of went in a little bit of a different direction as far as the apparatus has went, which I'm sure a lot of people that follow our fleet have seen. Um, you know, back then the administration, uh, the city was, was buying a, uh, a more affordable apparatus, but they were buying them at a very rapid pace. Yeah. Um, and the intention was, you know, we were going to get these uh, more affordable fire apparatus, but we were only going to keep them for like 10 years, you know, like 10 years tops, um, which was a good plan. But then, the, you know, the city, as time goes on, different mayors come sure. in, different fire chiefs come in, different prerogatives, different thought processes. And, you know, they went a, a long period of time of not buying fire apparatus. So those apparatus that had the intention of being short, short life terms here uh, wound up turning into, you know, over 10 and 15 years front line. Yeah, um, right. Uh, we went actually went out for a competitive bid process to, to buy some pumpers um, and wound up putting four pumpers into the city um, pretty rapidly. We bought one, then two, then one more. We wound up buying a tower ladder um, shortly after. And then the last couple of years, we've we've kind of went uh, in a different purchasing practice. We, we buy a lot of our stuff uh, through a, a purchasing conglomerate like HGAC. Right. Um, Sourcewell is another way that a, a lot of departments buy stuff now. Mm -hmm. And for us... It, it was a multi-faceted uh, move um, where we were trying to get some consistency in the apparatus, obviously for the maintenance perspective of it, but also for the deputies and the guys at one company that have to hire overtime and, and manage who can drive and who can't drive. You know, when we had three, four, five different kinds of apparatus, you know, you'd have guys that were broken in on some stuff, but not on other stuff. Right. It just became a nightmare. So yeah, how you know, I mean, and for you too, right? Standardizing equipment just makes the the repair and operation of it so much easier. Absolutely, and, and even in a position as as you know, even last night where I needed to steal a component off of one truck to put one back in service, having that capability and that ability, um, you know, yeah, is is huge for us. It it, it lessens the amount of stuff that i need to have i mean you you can't have one of everything you can't you know so, some stuff is just so expensive that you can't even justify yeah it's probably you know, for sure keeping it on the shelf but but if it's a door latch and we own nine engines with the same door you know that's obviously something we're gonna it's it's a wear item you know yeah but something that's you know like a cylinder head that's that costs ten thousand dollars that may only fit one engine you know that that's not you know feasible yeah, right but you may get yourself in a position now where you call for that cylinder head and it takes six weeks to get you know but that's just the game and that's yeah. where we're at with with just the industry right now yeah um, let me let me ask you this frank along those lines then right i mean from where you stepped in to where you tested promoted got that spot officially as the mechanic supervisor 
I can only imagine the shop of yesterday versus the shop today. It's very different looking, right? And before you hop on that, let me just ask you this, follow up with another one. Because of the differences, it takes a lot of time and communication, I's dotted and T's crossed to convince your management, your command staff to give you the funding and resources necessary to run that shop correctly. And I think that everything that I know of you and the chiefs that work with you and the guys that, that come down to see you, they all have an incredible respect for you because you carry the job so professionally and you're very, very good at what you do. I've seen it firsthand. That has to help in the mission of the shops. And it has to help because you have to have a very healthy relationship with your finance, with your purchasing, with your command staff, all of that to be able to have a shops of your caliber with the equipment, repair parts, technology that's that uh, that is integrated. I mean, all of that requires a hell of a plan and a lot of thorough management on your part to be able to get that funding. Talk about that a little bit, like the how far the shops have come and and the relationships that are important for the foundation of the shops. So, like I said, when I when I was acting down there, I was just filling in. You right. know, I, I kind of had to just move my little toolbox in. So I had my set of tools, but, you know, it wasn't like officially my shop. It wasn't my position. There wasn't even a guarantee that I was going to, you know, get that position when I went for the when it, when the city actually put the job announcement out, you know, I had to do like anybody else did. There was a written test, you know, go over to the government center and there was other people that put in for the job. And then I had a fire commission interview, you know, and, and I, I wound up being lucky enough that, you know, I, I scored well enough on, on the written to get in the room for an interview and the fire commission, you know, uh, thought what I had put forward in my interview was, was the best thing for the department. Now I'm also, you know, on the younger side of, of my career. So I knew when I got that, you know, this is, I'm going to be here till I retire. So, you know, there was, there was some stuff that worked for me. There was some stuff that didn't work for me. And, and that that's any mechanic shop that you walk into, you know, some guy may like one brand of tools. Another guy may like another brand of tools. You know, he may want stuff set up this way. You may want stuff set up that way. You know, I have, uh, two full-time mechanics that those guys are going to use a lot of that stuff, you know, more than me. So, you know, I have to take input on what works for those guys. Sure. And, and there's other divisions that, that use my facility for, for other stuff. You know, um, we have the regional school right out back. We do our own in-house fire Academy. So, you know, we do turn my facility into kind of like a little mini station, you know, once every year or two when we do the Academy. So, we got gear racks and I got a compressor down there and bottles, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff down there. Obviously you've been through our doors. Um, But we did do some very big upgrades to the building. My facility is in a, it's in a good spot because I'm hooked right, right to the uh, training center. So a lot of times I work, this is where working with the other divisions really comes into play where I may get a phone call from training or from the deputy that day saying, Hey, uh, this morning I got engine three, truck one and engine eight coming down they're going to be in uh emt class or some kind of you know refresher or meters who knows what they may have going on but they're going to be there for three hours if you got anything you got to do you know and i'll be like oh yeah engine three called the other day and they said uh their on spots aren't working so if i don't have something in the shop for service where the building's not tied up you know those guys will get there for class at nine o'clock boom we'll, we'll zip that truck right in and we'll try to knock out some of those you know 
maybe not two minute repairs, but something that may take sure. a couple hours. Sure. But I can do it while they're in class. Yeah, so they're out of service that anyway. Really, yeah. that really, really works out good for us. Um, but we did do a lot of upgrades to to the shop, and that was, um, you know, in conjunction with the administration, basically putting in the money, and obviously the city for um, coming through with the funding for that. I mean, since I've been there, we've painted the inside and outside of the building. We did all new lighting inside the building. Um, we did a lot of upgrades to a lot of the tools. We moved one of the lifts. We redid the offices. We got a new SCBA compressor. Um, we put some, you know, my facility's not staffed 24 hours a day, but we did a couple of things to help, you know, give access to some companies that maybe need to get some stuff if we're not there. Right. You know, we're able to allow people in remotely now. We've got, you know, uh, thermostats that we can control and keep an eye on the building and you know, some security measures that we put in. So we've definitely done a lot of stuff to the to the actual building, but the building was also built when the fire department was half the size. You know, we only had five career stations when that facility was built, and now we have nine, plus we support uh, apparatus and equipment in all of the volunteer districts. Um, which is, which so, is a, something I was going to bring up too, because you have a growing area of responsibility. Right. So yes, not only yeah, do you have, have the city companies, but as the city expands outward and the relationships with the, the town of Stamford, I guess, or, or whatever that is. Right. The different districts that are within the Stamford line, you know, uh, you guys are growing and your list of responsibilities is just keeps coming. Yeah. In the last couple of years, um, we the city of Stamford owns uh, some pieces of fire apparatus that are assigned to the different, you know, five volunteer companies in the city. We, we've got a really good relationship with, with those departments and those chiefs now where, you know, a lot of the testing, all, all the testing that's required by NFPA all comes through and is run by my division. So hose testing, ladder testing, pump testing, SCBA flow testing. The city owns all of the SCBA, all the bottles, all the masks, all the regs. That all comes through our, our facility. Um, you know, so I can call those chiefs and say, hey, chief, we're doing ladder testing or, you know, can you get this rig down? There's always guys around that that can, you know, bring stuff down for us. You know, we do all the DOTs on all those apparatus um, every year or yearly, I should say, tires and all that stuff. Uh, but some of the volunteer companies do still own and maintain um, their own apparatus, which is which is not owned by the city of Stanford. Um, and a lot of those departments, just for the easy things, a lot of them at this point, um, they'll jump in when we do host testing or they'll use the same vendors for ladders. Um, they'll use the same vendors we use to get tires. We've just really tried to streamline the operation, um, which which obviously, you know, they're getting a better deal on, on the equipment or what they're purchasing. You know, it makes it easier for all the testing records, you know, for when it comes time for um you know, citywide evaluations. Sure. We've, we've got all those records and stuff in one place. Now it, it's, it's really streamlined the process. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and but, I can, I mean, it just makes sense, right? I mean, it just makes oh, sense yeah. to put it all under one roof where you're maintaining the records, right? Everything is at the click of a button, you know, the records are yep. there and so on. Talk to me a little bit about as, as the responsibilities grow, you know, comes more time, more commitment, more equipment. I mean, I, I look at your facility when I'm there 
And it's just, it can be overwhelming at times to think about the amount of things that you're involved with and the constant ongoing. I mean, you guys also have guys on call. You respond on structural fires, I believe, too, right? Over a certain alarm or something like that. Give me the rundown yep, on yep. that. Yeah, we. there's always a mechanic on call. So somebody from my division is is always available, Um you know, 24 hours a day. It's the same thing goes with our training guys, There's a, which also serve as our safety officers. Um, you know, so there's a few different positions in our, in our department that, um, you know, there's an on-call aspect of it. Um, there's usually never a week that goes by that you're not going to get called back. And it, it could be for, it could be for a fire. Um, you know, we have a scene support unit that we put together a couple of years ago, which really, really worked out well. Um, you know, a lot of stuff gets used at structure fires, like everybody knows, you know, and then you kind of get that like day after where it's like, oh, we need a chainsaw. Uh, we need bar and chain oil. Right. My mask strap broke. We need some bottles topped off. Uh, hey, do you have any banner guard? You know, so in our city's big, you know, some for some people to get to the shop, it's, you know, it's a 20 minute ride or some companies in in our city they can't come down to the shop unless they check with the deputy and have another engine go and cover them um some of the outlying houses right so a couple of years ago i was like how could i streamline this because we used to always go with a, with a pickup truck with some bottles in the back and we'd you know exchange bottles because we do not have compressors um in every firehouse throughout the city and yeah i think most cities are probably set up like that yeah. they have a central spot for it or, or a couple we're fortunate enough where we actually have three firehouses with standalone compressors and we have a trailer mounted unit, um, which lives at headquarters. It, it primarily stays there. Um, we'll bring it out when we're doing our academy, especially if we're doing live burns out of town. I've actually used that thing more mutual aid, um, supporting other towns at larger incidents than mm -hmm. I've used it at fires in our own city because we have the van for that. Right. Um, but we're also on a five, five snap change setup, which not a lot of departments around us are, you know, so we kind of have to have our own, we have to kind of be self-sustaining. I sure. say. I get it. Um, so we put together that scene support unit and we basically take that to every fire now. And it really, really works out great because any kind of like little expendable item that the guys are going to use or, you know, um, you know, just, just use that a structure fire. We put a lot of scene lighting on um, that, you know, a lot, a lot of times the marshals will, will grab some stuff. So that kind of became like a little thing that, you know, just really, really worked out good for us. Yeah, um, sounds like you know, every, everybody, everybody leaves the fire basically not needing anything. You know, it's got a decon pack on it. So we can, you know, if the guys are really heavily, you know, soiled, you know, we can kind of knock some of that down there. We've got spare regs, spare masks, you know, spare parts to fix air packs, batteries, bottles every yeah. blade for every saw we own fuel um well it's we nice because you can, you can put companies back in service before they get back to their own like you were saying yeah, you have those outlying that, that companies. was the point yeah they, they it, it's easier for me to restock the van at my place because that's where everything is right. you know than to have all these companies trying to after the fire try to get a hold of the deputy we need to go downtown we need to go downtown or we're trying to run stuff to them you know yep it, it just like I was just saying, we even had just some oddball stuff. Like we had a fire at a gas station last winter or the winter before that. And the first engine company basically went in and there was like a 55 gallon drum of waste oil that had gotten knocked over by a hose line. And these guys were covered Cover, in motor oil. 
Right. And, and it, it's like January, you know, so I've even got like just little Napa seat covers. Like if you go to the dealership, you know, they put like the plastic seat cover on. We, we even got those on a roll now, just so if the guys are really trashed, you know, we'll go and go, you know, throw a couple covers on the cab seats. So we're not winding up having to spend the whole next day cleaning, you know, cleaning a cab out. Yeah. Um, well, it's forward you know, thinking It's just, it's just like those that. little niche things that, you you know, yeah. you just kind of, you just have, and it just, it just makes the process, you know, it makes everything go back together quicker. But I think it's that, it's that type of foresight. Like, like you have this idea of how to make things better and you have an administration and, and budget that allows you to do that. You guys are thinking in a way to best represent of how to keep your department moving active and on the street. And that's, I think, what's so important about the shops. And I think you guys are, what's the saying you use? Isn't there a saying on your patch or something? Yeah, Keeps, we have a we have a slogan that says, so the pride can ride. So the pride yeah. can ride. And I, I think We've that, had that for a couple of years. I'm writing that down because that's probably going to be the t- the title. So the pride can ride. And I always tell, you know, like I was saying, we always have the the fire academy. You know, we're we're actually the chief is doing interviews today. We're about to hire a a pretty large class. Um, I always tell the guys that come in to the academy because, like I said, they're in and out of my building for you know four months. My sure. my little facility down there kind of becomes their station you know they have their details they do every day they check their air packs right there they have a little locker you know they have different different responsibilities whether it's bathrooms or garbages or vacuuming or you know we the the captains that that run that academy um really give it almost like the regular stanford fire experience so you know they they come in and do everything just like they're on the line you know, who's checking which apparatus that day, washing them, fueling them. Yeah. It is like a regular day That's at cool. the firehouse. Just they're not going on calls until they're out of the academy. But I, you know, on the first day, they always bring, you know, the familiar faces that they're going to deal with, you know, in. And I always have kind of like the same, uh, the same kickoff that I always tell these guys is, you know, you guys are really lucky to be in a department like ours that has so much available to them we do a lot with a little you know we're we're a big city with like a small town operational feel you know there's only a couple guys that kind of make things happen but you know it's not like that everywhere um there's cities that are bigger than us that you know if an engine breaks down they don't have an engine to go to they'll brown out a company yeah. or they'll put them in a pickup truck right um there's firehouses that if you cut a hose line tonight at a fire you know and you have a 200 foot cross lay you may be down to 150 or you may have they may not have the same color you have or the same whatever so you may have three sections of yellow and a, and a section of blue you know they may not have an extra thousand dollar tft nozzle or an extra five thousand dollar hamatro you know or if you have a fire, you know, a van like ours may not show up and, you know, you may have to go back and fill your own bottles, you know. So, you know, our guys are really, really lucky to have what they have here. Yeah. Uh, and that took that didn't come, you know, I was going to say <laughs> me. It, it didn't come. It didn't come in the, you know, in the last two years. You know, this has been years and years and years of buildup. The sure. city expanded and. You know, the fire department expanded with it um, and we've had the support, you know, of the of the 
city administration to, you know, have what we have. Um, and I know when Chief Palmer was on, you know, he was kind of explaining, you know, kind of a, along the same thing that, you know, it's not like that everywhere. And you kind of got to, you know, take a step back sometimes and realize how lucky, you know, you are or we yeah. are. And, yeah, you know, it, it's it's it took a lot. It took a lot to get to where we are. And, and we're not done. There's stuff that could be corrected. I mean, I, you know, if somebody asked me, could I use a bigger shop? Yeah, sure. I could use a bigger shop, but you know, <laughs> putting a bigger shop in is it's not an easy project. Could it span the same piece of property? Does it make sense to keep it in the same piece of property? Right. How much is it going to cost? You know, we need a lift right now. The in-ground lift is original to the building. It's actually a three post lift. Um, Cause we used to have a tiller. But fire apparatus has changed drastically since sure. that shop was built. Sure. Um, you know, we're kind of even pushing the limits of picking up a pumper on it right now. I got to drain a lot of the, you know, I got to drain the whole tank. We got to take a lot of equipment out in order for us to safely pick those trucks up. Um, but an in-ground lift is like a $300,000 project, which the city's working on um, through capital projects. So we're, we're going to do that project, but... You know, it's not just something I could say, hey, chief, we need a $300,000 lift. And, he'll, you know, he'll be like, oh, no problem. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, exactly. That has to come through, you know, he, 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 our chief now, he is one that says, not a problem. You know, we're going to put it in. We're going to, you know, but that has to come through capital projects. because It's got to go through planning. It's got to go through the process. And, That's right. You know, for us, we kind of got to adapt and, and make what we have work, you know. Yeah. Um, which is Which is a lot of what we do. Like I said, you, you can't be prepared for everything. We're not going to have every tool. We're not going to have every part, but you got to have, you got to be able to make those decisions quick of, you know, what can we do in the meantime? How can we get them to a place where they can still function and operate safely and as they would normally, you know, that's, that's, I think personally, I think you were asking about like how I've kind of grown the last yeah, couple of years absolutely. into this position. Um, I think that's really where, one of my best things that I, I, I could say I can do now is usually most situations now I, I can immediately come up with a, a fix for it. Right. Um, and sometimes it may be something, it may even be at an odd call. You know, um, I had a deputy call me within the last year or two where they had a, a, a glass situation where they had like glass breaking out of a high rise that was littering, you know, glass, amongst like three city blocks where right. they had roads closed, sidewalks closed. And, and he just happened to go, Hey, do you have something that could, and I said, yeah, I actually do for putting like the windshields in the fire truck. So it was like a Sunday night, you know, I wound up going to the shop, getting a bunch of different stuff. We wound up wrapping this big giant piece of glass off of a high rise, you know, Yep. and we wound up making it work with, with something I had that, you know, probably wasn't really, you know, designed to put a high rise glass in, oh, but make it happen. You know, we were able to, we were able to take that piece out and mitigate the situation. And it's that outside of the box thinking that's, that's where, you know, you got to be able to come up with something. So that's, know, that's the perfect segue, Frank, because that's what I wanted to ask you about. You can't plan for everything. Why don't you take me back to the day it was snowing like hell out and you got a vehicle in the, in the, uh, in the sound. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, chief Palmer, Matt Palmer was on our podcast a few months back and I asked him about that. He's a deputy chief in, in Stanford. And uh, he was working that day as well. And you guys ended up with an occupied vehicle in the New York or the Long Island Sound, which is a body of salt water within the city right off. It's the Sound, which is part of the uh, Atlantic Ocean. And uh, you happen to be, uh, what, clearing snow? 
Yeah, so I was actually at <laughs> our shop, and our, our shop is in the Japan area. Right. So literally, you've been down to my place. A, yep. a block from my shop is where the fireboat is. So um, there's literally three beaches within a minute of my, my garage driveway. So I had just stopped in to grab a wiper blade for the truck I was using. And, you know, it was busy. It was during the Nor'easter. The rescue was out doing like a top hatch, uh, elevator removal, and Engine 4, who's the first new engine company to the beach area, they were out on an EMS call. And, you know, I have an MDT in my truck, and I see this call populate for, uh, you know, a vehicle in the water. So I start reading the narrative as they're dispatching it, and I'm like, you know, this sounds like a pretty hot call, so let me zip over there. But I'm also keeping in the back of my head what the conditions are. The road conditions were horrible. Right. I knew that the, the beach entrances were probably not even plowed it was a nor'easter so i knew the the water was going to be way up um and i actually wanted to arrive in there first and you know there's there's nobody there this is a it's a beach in the middle of the blizzard um so at first when i came in the driveway it kind of splits like a y so i kind of had to make that decision of where where are they i I can't even see the ocean you know so i just happened to guess correct and i went up and over the driveway in, into the into the park and sure enough there was a pickup truck bed sticking out of the ocean you know That's crazy so i i gave my size up real quick said you know i'm on the scene we definitely have a vehicle you know i kind of rolled down my window i could hear the occupants banging on the glass no shit wow. um and that's that's one of those you know moments in anybody in the fire department's career that that's kind of like the uh what do you do you know i'm here by myself i'm in a pickup truck you know, I obviously don't have the right PPE, but I'm also the only line of communication to everybody coming into that incident, yeah. you know? So you got, you got like that fight or flight, you know, where it's like, you know, should I just, you know, try to do something? You know, the, I knew they were in there and it was, it was not like, you know, an arm's reach. They were in ice water and the truck was actively floating further away from shore yeah there's nothing um, you're going to be able to do you're not going to jump in i mean wh- no you, right. you can't there's and the occupants at that time were still in the passenger compartment they were pounding on the window which i was trying to get them to stop doing because i knew if they blew that glass out it was going to fill that cab and and suck them down yeah. you know before i even had anybody on the scene right. you know we had some really really talented folks working the line that day you know chief palmer was in contact with me right away um you know his first thought was can we make the grab with the tower ladder you know i'm also on snow covered ground i can't tell where the parking lot starts the grass in the ocean and right, right, right. you know that was a i knew we could reach them it was just my first thought was how are we going to set up this eighty thousand pound seagrave and not flip it over, you know, Yep. cause more damage. Um, I knew the rescue was tied up. That's that's our divers. The dive equipment's on that truck. They're, they're doing a top hatch. You know, we're going to be delayed getting those guys there. Engine 4 was out on a call. We're going to be delayed getting those guys there. Um, Captain Dave Harriet was on truck 1, and me and him were kind of communicating over the radio, you know, as, as they're responding in. So I kind of gave them the direction of where to go. I just jumped back in the pickup of Stanford police officer arrived. I basically told him just, you know, keep an eye in case that car goes down. You know, yeah. we're going to need to know the location. 
And I said, just try to keep them from blowing out that window. And I just jumped in the in our 550, and I wound up just making a couple quick passes because I really wanted to feel out what that ground yeah, was going to set the truck up. Gonna, I, I couldn't even tell if we were on pavement or grass. We right. actually wound up being on grass. Yeah. I knew it just by the way the way that the snowplow blade was kind of reacting. Sure. Um, and I knew once we got that tower ladder on the grass with the amount of snow, once we got that thing up there, wherever he landed and parked it was going to be it. Yeah. I knew I knew we were going to get that thing stuck. Um, Alessio Carenti was the driver. You know, he wound up getting that thing in position correctly. You know, right off right off the right off the gate. As soon as that maxi break went, um, Adam Fulov, Chad Titus, um, Brian Rosero, John Calandro, those were all guys on on uh, engine two and truck one that were in suits, yep. you know, in the bucket, getting that bucket out there. Alessio was getting everything. I mean, be- before Alessio even had the outriggers down, Adam Fulov was in the bucket getting ready to go out. Chad and, and, and the other guys were in cold water suits swimming out. And, you know, we were lucky enough to make that grab. Um, in time. You know, like, just in yeah, time. We were over time we, because the, the truck sank. We got the female passenger out, but... Before we were able to get the male passenger out, that car submerged, and those guys basically, you know, didn't let go of him and pulled him through the rear glass. You yeah, know, as which, the truck sank, yeah. It was just one of those ones where, where I was tired. We were out plowing all night. We'd had, like, a fire Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. It was just, like, one of those mega weekends. And then, you know, you go from just plowing firehouse parking lots to, you know, seeing this rescue that, that wound up being, like, national news. It yeah. Was, uh, but that's that's also one of the things that's you know when when I get to go to incidents like that and I get to see all the equipment you know that maybe I, I ordered or we tested different things out or you know watch that Seagrave tower ladder do what it did you know I, I was kind of there from the time we had that thing on paper I got to go to Wisconsin when it was finished you know we did the upfit in house and got the guys into it and they they really you know they love that truck and they love the capabilities of it sure. but to kind of see it all full circle and and make rescues like that or you know respond to call i get to see our apparatus flying all all over the city and you know that's why we put the time in that's why we we put the extra effort in even if it takes the extra time to do it you know we kind of have that attitude where we do it right the first time if it's there it's going to be working before it leaves the shop nothing you know rarely does something leave the shop not working if, if it's not working it's basically you know, like a non-essential piece of equipment. Yeah. And it's probably because I can't get what I need to fix it right away. But you never know, you know, what could happen. And the guys, you know, really rely on on everything, whether it's an air pack or a Hamatro or a truck starting, you know, they're all relying on that equipment. Um, and there's a, there's a lot riding on. I always, you know, kind of have like an internal you know, discussion with my guys basically saying there's, there's a lot riding on those frame rails, you know, it's, yeah. it's somebody's brother, it's somebody's husband, it's somebody's son or daughter, you yep. know, and you could be responding to somebody we don't know. You could be responding to somebody we do know, you know, and when the bell goes off, everything has to work. You so, know, it's not, it's, that's, that's the attitude you have to have. That's, you know, the mentality you have to have when you're in charge of something in operation, you know, kind of like I am. Well, I'll tell you, Frank, from an outsider looking in, um, really well done. And I know how well-respected you are and appreciated on the job. 
um, just because of uh, what you do and, and how thorough you are. And so if the last hour was anything, it was a, really a great way to shine light on the importance of what you guys do and being the mechanical supervisor of, of a city and the equipment and apparatus and the people it takes care of. I think you summed it up beautifully there is that that's the satisfaction you see is that all that hard work that you and your guys do in the shops pays off on the street. And uh, as you guys put it, so the pride can ride, man, it makes sense. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today, man. What a great episode and uh, a little bit different of a conversation than we've had here before to to really hear and dive into what the shops are about and and the responsibilities that uh, that you hold. Um, I'll tell you, man, it's a lot of pressure and it's a tough spot. And I've seen you uh, you do very well at it, sir. And uh, thanks for joining me today, man. I appreciate your friendship. Absolutely, thank thank you for having me. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. Good time. Really yeah, fun. good. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast and then uh, I'm going to get right back to you, Frank. So hang on one sec, okay? Guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Frank Dosimo out of the city of Stamford, Connecticut, the mechanical supervisor. A really unique perspective about what they do in the shops, keeping the, keeping the apparatus on the road, the equipment, tip-top shape so that the guys and girls can do their jobs on the street, man. It's, it's an absolute home run. I love it. What a great episode. Thanks for tuning in. Take this conversation back to the firehouse and talk about it. Make it when you talk about the job, you're making the job better. And, uh, well, go do that because it makes a difference. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Hey, guys. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different the script gets flipped on me, and instead of me hosting the podcast, I am a guest on the Primary Complete Podcast Show with Steve and Matt. These guys are doing a great job, a bang-up episode, uh, a lot of great nuggets in there and things that I've talked about that I truly have not really talked about before on any other platform or podcast. So buckle up, enjoy the conversation, and as Matt and Steve say from the show, make conversation great again.